I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. and welcome to another episode of the Play On Preview Podcast. I'm Julia Montesano and I'm here as always with um, everyone's favourite stats guru, Jem Bastiani. Jem, what's going on? How are you feeling? Round three, happy days. Uh, thank you for such a nice introduction. Um, I am equally excited and sad because this weekend means we're officially a third through the season already. And there should just be more football. Yeah, and um, But other than that, it's very exciting. But yeah, I'm just sad that it's going to be over so fast. Because I have nothing else in my life. <laughs> That's kind of how many of us are feeling at the moment. Well, <laughs> at least we do it. we've got a whole women's sport calendar. So we'll keep that rolling on. Um, but while we're on to the footy, let's get into round three. And hopefully we can have all these games... Played in the right, played as, as fiction at the moment because last week when we recorded, pretty much all the games got reshuffled. So everything we were previewing just went right out the window. But some of the principles <laughs> were right. So, you know, like you, even though Geelong were playing a different opponent, you did ask them to play the two debutants and they did. So there you go. Little things Thanks. that clubs pick out of these podcasts. So it doesn't matter if they're not versing, not play, versing playing each other, it's all good. Gem's got you covered no matter what happens. So <laughs> let's get into it, hey? So yes. speaking of the Cats, um, they're facing the Bulldogs on Friday night. That's at GMHBA Stadium at 7.10. Bulldogs had a very, very great win against the Blues in Pride Round and the Cats have just not been able to get going. So two pretty much polar opposite start to the season. How do you see this one going, Gem? Yeah, so it's really interesting. I think going into this season, maybe we expected a little bit more of Geelong and maybe we expected a little bit less of the Western Bulldogs and it's kind of worked out the opposite way. Um, you know, the Dogs, yeah, they're one and one, but both of their performances been have been really positive. They seem to really be playing a style of football that it will will kind of serve them well for the long term. It's, it's all about developing their list as a group to play a certain style of footy that, you know, maybe they're not going to win every game this year, but going forward, it's going to be really damaging as that group gels together. The Cats, they seem to have the same issues going on and on, and it, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem like there's any answer to those issues right now. Like, yeah, we saw... Barber and Williams debut last week and Barber kicked a goal, I think, 38 seconds into the game, which I think, according to Swamp, is the fastest ever goal on debut in the AFLW. Ooh, um, hello. But, you know, is Nina Morrison potentially coming back the only answer to their midfield issues? I don't know. Yeah, there's plenty of questions surrounding the Cats. I agree. But you're right. It was good to see the two debutants get on the field and... Actually, both sides actually both pretty um, impressive talent. Jess Fitzgerald for the Bulldogs got the rising star nod this week. And Jem, I saw on Twitter, you raised her as an early favourite. I was going to... I actually think Sarah Hardwick was a bit stiff. I thought she had a ripper game, but I'm sure she'll get a nomination as the season goes on. So, yeah, two two sides with pretty exciting youth. How do you think, how do you, think you know, the likes of Barbara Williams are going to go against, you know, the Fitzgeralds and the Hartwigs of the world? Yeah, that's a really interesting point that you raise in terms of, you know, Hartwig is a is a really smart key defender who will likely spend a bit of time on Barber this weekend. So it, it 
could be it, that's a really exciting battle because both of them are really smart footballers. They both play that tall role. It'll be really fascinating. But I think in terms of youth, um, the dogs are kind of and and again I say this every week. I don't like to compare women's footy to men's, but it's a good reference point. I think um, think the twenty seventeen Swans team in the men's footy and how they could blood so many young players because there was that really strong senior group around them that could support them. And it wasn't like you were relying on the young players to do everything. They were just there to play a role because they had those senior players there. And that's kind of what the dogs are like. They've got Ellie Blackburn. They've got Bonnie Toogood up forward and Izzy Huntington. They've got those other players, at Gogos and players like that in defence, who can support the young players as they come in and start their footy career. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of them shine. I mean, a lot of them are top 10 draft picks too, don't get me wrong, but that's why we're seeing a lot of them shine. At Geelong, it feels a little bit more like there's a lot of young talent and they have to get the job done and and there's not enough senior players there to support them. We've got to remember that the way Geelong built their list and they've only been in the competition, this is their third year, the way they built their list was around youth and around a local strategy so there's reasons why it's like that but I think at the moment the youth is shining in one team and not not so much the other because we're asking too much of the youth in the Geelong team if that makes sense yeah it does I think yeah the youth in Geelong have really got to step up to the plate like you know the two debutants that were blooded in round two just had to go bang bang and Olivia Barr which that literally and literally kicked the first goal in the 38 <laughs> seconds so I guess I ticked that box but yeah there's definitely a long way to go for the Cats especially when they come up against Ellie Blackburn. Now, she had a ripper game. It was, like, what, two goals, 22 disposals, something like that? A little two, 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 but, yeah, <laughs> Ellie Blackburn had a ripper game against the Blues. She's in, she's probably in career best form. Is she an early favourite for the, the AFLW best and fairest this year? Oh, I mean, I hadn't even thought about that, but you'd have to think so. Her and Kiara Bowers are probably the two that are right up there as it stands, but Ellie Blackburn, I think... She ha- against a uh, midfield that is struggling at the moment. She has an opportunity to do that again. And the thing that we see from Ali Blackburn is she might not hurt you in the first quarter. Maybe in the second quarter she comes out and really has an impact, or maybe in the third quarter. So she kind of bides her time until she needs to lift her team. And this is again why I liken her to a Kiara Bowers because Bowers does that where they're constantly putting in the hard work. But when you need something spectacular from them, they will bring it out and they'll kind of pull the whole team on their back. And that's what Ellie Blackburn did last week. That's what she tried to do the week before, even though they couldn't quite get over the line. I think this is another chance for her to really showcase what she can do in that midfield. It's also the second time, again, Swamp uh, stat from last week. It's the second time in Ellie Blackburn's career that she's had uh, more than 20 disposals and two goals in a game and the first time in her career that she did that was round one wow that's that says it all she's really on track to have um it's weird saying a breakout year for a player of her experience and caliber but it really is it's, it's kind of a breakout year for her because I think she's kind yeah. of hitting the scoreboard a bit more we know how fierce she is in the midfield but she's going to be hitting the scoreboard a lot more that's for sure I'm excited to see what she can do especially against the cats um who are you tipping in that one I'm just uh while while you've mentioned that I'm um, I'm looking up her goal kicking in the past um because I have it here so, so in her career she's kicked that's that's just classic <laughs> <laughs> in her career she's kicked seventeen goals Ellie Blackburn seventeen goals twenty four this season she's kicked four goals one last year she kicked two goals two so she's already almost having the best goal-kicking season of her career outside of 2017 where she kicked six goals, 12. So two more goals and she's equal to her career best in a season. Anyway, who am I tipping? I'm tipping the dogs. <laughs> um, tipping the dogs, dogs by 25 points. Um, you know that I don't like to go too big with my margins. That's kind of close to my yeah, threshold. I don't, and, gone, yeah. I don't think you've gone over 25 so far. So I, yeah, think I, I think I tipped a 30 or I have one coming this week or something. But I have written a 30 once. Um, no, I've tipped a 35 this week. So there you go. Okay, or maybe I have. Depends Depe- which one it is. <laughs> it just depends if the fix changes or not. Um, yeah. Anyway, what about you? 
Yes, I'm going to go for the dogs as well. I am going to say 21, just to okay. add a little extra unit to the tip. I don't like going too <laughs> round. I'm, I'm trying to go a bit obscure because it's too easy to just go round, you know what I mean? You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's go to the next game because it's the Giants against the Suns and that's at Saturday at 3.10 and that's at Blacktown International Sports Park, which... Yeah, Blacktown's one of those great venues that any weather, <laughs> any weather can turn up on the day. So we'll see what happens on that day. But um, yeah, last year was when the weather it didn't it, they didn't play at Blacktown, but the weather was still horrible. I think they I think they might have played at Blacktown. Oh, was it Blacktown? I thought it was. I think Gold they Coast, did. But yeah, no, there they, you go. See, I was on the right track anyway. So yeah, weather <laughs> can be very unpredictable at Blacktown, and it could be the same thing again. And obviously it was a very low-scoring game last year, so we really haven't quite seen what these two sides can do up against each other. What are you expecting in this contest if there is, in fact, good weather this time? (laughs) Yeah, so both teams are coming into this under very different kind of lead-in compared to what they did last year. So we've all talked about the struggles that GWS have been through. They're finally back at home and, and a bit more rested The Suns have had a year in the competition. They had a good showing against Melbourne and then really kind of fell apart last week against Brisbane. So last year, a lot of the hype was around the Suns being new and coming and kicking the first goal in that game last year and really kind of showing that they were one of the contending um, expansion sides. This year, it feels like it's the Giants' chance to kind of get a bit of reward for the hard work they've had last year, but I think it's still going to be an arm wrestle. Yeah, for sure. I think that they're, they're kind of in two similar positions, these two sides. I think it'll be closer, similar to last similar to last year's game. It'll be a really close affair. Um, but I think last week I was quite surprised by the Suns. I thought they were going to put up a bit more of a fight. Um, so how are you expecting them to bounce back against the Giants this week? Yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot about the the Suns and, and what their leadership is at, at the club this week. And I hate being that person that's like, oh, they've got to do, they've got to show that they're built of something, blah, 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 and not be like that kind of person. But I, I think it's going to be really... clickbait form, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it will be really telling. And, and I know having spoken to Jamie Stanton in the past and having spoken to Jade Pradelli in the past, knowing how competitive they are, they're going to be fuming with the way that game went down and that they now hold that record for the lowest score in an AFLW game. Um, So I would expect them to come out really hard and within the first five minutes of the game have a really physical presence on the field. But how do you expect they're going to go against the Giants' forward line? I mean, there's some really smart players in there that can that can turn a game on its head. Plus Elise Parker in the middle, who's just racking up excellent numbers and just tearing the game apart despite being on a losing team. She'd almost be in AFLW best and fairest chat as well if the Giants are winning a bit more. So um, they've got a couple, a couple of good eggs, the Giants. How do you think the Suns are going to go against them, especially in the forward 50? Yeah, shout out to... Uh to Al Smirnoff of Siren, who has officially taken on the Elise Parker number one fan mantle this week. So there you go, Al. Um, so the Giants forward line, I think, is an interesting one. And, and I've spoken about it a million times that their accuracy last year really let them down despite generating a lot more opportunities at goal um, than they have before. The first two weeks of this year, again, I know that, that their circumstances around playing and being on the road and everything is is quite unique and you've got a feel for them but they've they've had 25 and 26 inside 50s over the first two weeks and they've their forward efficiency has been really poor so they've had in they've had uh of the 25 32 percent of those 25 to um resulted in a scoring shot and of the 26 last week, only 19% of those entries resulted in a scoring shot. They need to find ways to be more effective when they go forward. Um, because, yeah, they do have great players. Like Rebecca Privatelli, we know she's a great contestant, Mark. Cora Staunton, we know, is an incredible player. But if then it's it's got as much to do with the players inside the forward 50 as it does 
the way they're entering forward 50. And uh, as Isabel Huntington was really um, specific on one of the broadcasts last week, I can't remember which game she did, it's about the forward 30 as well. It's not just about getting in inside 50, it's getting it deep inside 50. And they're not doing it in a way that is generating a lot of shots on goal, which is really different to what we saw last year. Last year, it was the accuracy once it was in there that was the issue. This, this year, it's actually getting a shot on goal. So... That's something we need to keep an eye on. And it's something that Jade Prajali, Lauren Ahrens and, and Serene Watson will be really aware of in, in the Suns' defence. They're going to want to make it as difficult as possible for um, the Giants to get any clean possession inside 50 and also push them up into that 40-metre area, the, the outer 20 metres of that arc because they know that they can't really get shots on goal in that case. Yeah, it's just about being smarter when you're entering inside 50. That's just the basics. And I said in an earlier podcast, and I'll say it again, Yvonne Bono is just a massive loss for the Giants this year. Um, I thought Zarika showed a bit in the last game, uh, in, in last week's game. Um, I thought she was pretty speedy and, and tried hard as well. And I think another point as well with Serene Watson, I think she spent a bit of time in the midfield last week. So we could see her even push up there again um, and maybe leave the Giants with a bit more room to have a bit more room and space to kick some more goals. So there's a couple of interesting little, little tidbits in that game. So tidbits, yeah. tidbits, <laughs> can't say anything, <laughs> can't articulate it too much, but anyway, we'll go from tid to tip. Who are you tipping? <laughs> uh, I'm tipping the Giants by five points. I don't think it'll be very high scoring, uh, but I think the Giants will kind of win the war of attrition in a way. How about you? I'm thinking the Giants by ten. I think it. I think. Um, I think you're right. It'll be low scoring, but I think the Giants are just going to be out with a bit of a point to prove, and I, I want them to get a win for Elise Parker as well, just quietly. So, <laughs> and for <laughs> Jacinda Barclay. Yes, exactly. Let's see how they go. Hey, yeah. um, but two teams who desperately need a win are the Saints and Carlton. Also, Carlton and the Saints. They've had a really interesting start to the season considering everyone tipped them as premiership favorites um they're traveling back to Moravan I think it's for the first time since the 80s or something like that so um RSCA Park 510 on Saturday um yeah do or die for the Blues what's gonna happen in this one yeah I think they'll be pretty uh filthy that we're in a do or die game they're coming up against the Saints because I think the Saints are the last one of the last teams they'll want to be facing in this situation. Yeah, you can't underestimate the Saints, can you? No, you can't. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, I think the pressure in this game will be an important factor as well. Um, I think last year the Blues are really, you know, emphatic with the pressure. There, were, there was always two players to the ball carrier. There was always, you know, out, they always outnumbered the forwards in the forward line as well. But it just seems to be missing this year for the Blues. And I wonder if they can pick it up against the Saints, especially at a... At a ground that might suit them. I mean, Moramba's a pretty small ground, so they might be able to get numbers to the ball and all that. But, yeah, how do you think it's going to go? Yeah, that's the thing that's really surprised me about the Blues is that, um, and, and if you listen to the review with Rana, you'll have heard me say that um, them not standing up to that outside pressure is something that I don't think anyone expected. And it's not something that um, missing players will be able to fix so they they're meant to be getting Lalawifi and uh, Pound and McAvoy all back this week but that's not going to change the way they handle the pressure on the outside um, on the reverse St Kilda they're a really high pressure side they've laid 140 tackles across the first two weeks which is 38 more than their opponents so far this year so the Saints are just going to use it like that if I was Peter Searle which I wish I mean because she's amazing but if I was Peter Sell, I'd be like, just get pressure on the outside. Let them win the clearance, sit on the outside, put the pressure on, cause the turnover, win the ball back and run it forward yourself. And it, I know it sounds so simple, but that's how simple Carlton have made it for other teams to beat them, um, which sounds incredibly harsh now that I've said that out loud. But it, it just, watching them makes it like... For two quarters at least each game, they've allowed that outside pressure to rattle them. Yeah, it looks like that too, especially last year considering how heavily they used the outside and the wings to get their run going. It's just looked completely different this season. Um, but in terms of game style, St Kilda, and you've been kind of, not so much begging on about this, but you've been talking about this a lot in our podcast about how the Saints have a really defensive style and how 
that probably won't cut it against the better sides. Do you reckon they're going to be able to change that game style against the Blues this week, considering they did revert back to that defensive style last week? Yeah, uh, so the Saints in round one found that great attacking style of play. They did concede more, I think, concede the most inside 50s they've ever conceded or equal most and the most scoring shots ever, but they also were able to counterattack. So uh, use Frio as an example. You know, they're happy to let you score because they know they're going to score more. Um, and then last week, the Saints really tried that attacking style for the first half and then kind of got a bit spooked and then reverted to that defensive style, which is why the margin wasn't very big, but they also sacrificed their attack in the process. The, the worry is, having looked at Carlton and especially Carlton's final quarter, both round one and round two, they got a they, they won the territory. They got a lot of inside fifty. Um, they got you know they were trying to get repeat opportunities at goal, but because of the the pressure, the flooding, the kind of congestion within that forward fifty for Carlton, they couldn't get many shots on goal. So they were able to you know um, not allow not concede um, many goals or scores, right? Which I said that in a really bad way. I'm sorry. So the, the worry is St. Kilda look at, at the way that's pl- panned out and gone, well, you know, our defensive style will work against them and then not be able to attack. We, we want them to be able to, you know, withstand that that kind of horde, um, that territory issue, but also be able to attack themselves. So when they do win the ball back in that area, be smarter about it and get some of those runners on the outside. Have someone out that doesn't get sucked into the contest, which is what the dogs did so well. So we want to see that balance for St Kilda in terms of that. Yeah, let's hope they can find it. I reckon if they do, they're a huge chance of winning. But what do you reckon? Are you expecting the Blues to bounce back or do you reckon the Saints can bounce back instead? (laughs) Look, I'm going to be honest with this. I don't feel good about this tip at all, but I also... uh, need to I don't know I'm tipping Carlton by one point because I truly don't know what's going to happen um honestly because Carlton should have won their previous two games and they didn't you know Carlton should win this game but you don't know I'm tipping them by one point just because I don't know what else to do what about you (laughs) yeah I'm on the fence as well I mean like I feel like I feel like this the one week I'm going to tip against Carlton they'll win so I'm not going to take that risk and I'm going to tip them by five I think it's going to be a close game as well but I think with all those ins that we're forecasting, obviously we're recording by before five. the teams are announced. But yeah, McAvoy, Lalawifi and all those types of players coming back in, I think it might give them a really much-needed boost. Pound as well was another one. So yeah, I think the Blues might bounce mm. back in this one. But you never know. It might be the closest game of the round for sure. Um, but let's move on, on to the next game. And that's at Casey Fields. And Melbourne are taking on North. That's at Saturday at 7.10. So Saturday night game. For the D's, which would be good to see them under lights, especially how well they played at Casey Fields last week. Um, scoring's the big talking point for this game. Now, North, we know, are so powerful up forward, but I think the D's have been equally good this year inside 50. How do you expect them to go? Is it going to be a high-scoring game? So, I had a look at numbers again. Really? Um, so far, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Surprise, um, people, there's more numbers. Yay. <laughs> So last year, Melbourne averaged 33.29 points a game. And I know you like the decimals. Yes. Um, Two decimal points, please. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) From just under 11 scoring shots a game. Um, But over the first two rounds, they've actually averaged 50 points a game, which is um, nearly 17 more than they did last year. That's big numbers. But it's it's through fewer scoring shots. So it's purely because of that accuracy that they're actually getting reward for effort. North Melbourne, they've averaged one extra scoring shot a game compared to last year, and they've averaged four more points a game compared to last year. So both teams' score has gone up, but in for different reasons. The signs are positive for Melbourne, but I worry that if they, you know, and this is, again, a pessimistic fan rather than, you know, trying to be logical here, the worry is that the accuracy isn't going to last forever. And if they're generating fewer shots on goal and the accuracy isn't there, then it's going to be disastrous. Um, 
but Melbourne have kicked 100 points so far this season um, and North have kicked 107. So it's not like the scoring is too different between the sides. Yeah, totally. I think it's going to be a very even contest. And we've spoken about the, the contest in the forward line, but I think the defensive 50 is equally interesting as well. I think both teams have real powerhouses down there. So, um, yeah, how do you th- what, who's going to match up on who and how do you think that's going to work in terms of the two teams' game styles? So, so the there's been a lot of talk about how North Melbourne broke the record for the highest percentage ever in AFL M or W um, last week after round one, and that's because they've really been able to restrict opposition score. Um, they've conceded just 19 points so far this season. Melbourne have actually conceded 51. So, and then you wonder why, and you know, Meg Downey is not there, and she's. Melbourne's number one key defender and it doesn't look like she'll be back for this one either so I really worry that Melbourne's gonna be a little bit of a sieve in defense or they're gonna um, have to use an extra behind the ball and not create enough score Um, because this this matchup last year was a very tight one it was two points in the end at Casey Fields in the wind as always at Casey Fields um but I well, worry that, that exact that... circumstances again, so it could, it could go <laughs> the other first, way this time. <laughs> first one at night as at Casey Fields because they've had the redevelopment down there yeah. with some lights, so that's interesting in, enough. Um, I think it's going to be really challenging to for Melbourne to limit the impact of North's talls, just because there are so many that can go like. Um, Kate Gillespie-Jones, we know we've seen her playing on a wing a lot this year, but she can go forward and take a mark overhead. Um, Jasmine Garner can go forward and take a mark overhead. Emma King can go forward, take a mark overhead. We saw Talia Randall do it on the weekend. They have so many players that can do that, but then they have the damaging players at ground level. There's nowhere to hide when you're playing against North Melbourne. Yeah, totally. And I guess that that definitely beats true. Get it? Beats true <laughs> for Melbourne. <laughs> but I think it'd be, I think in terms of in terms of the kangaroos and. You know, they've been obviously the, the hot contender this year for, for premiership favouritism now with Carlton out of the race um, pretty much. Um, <laughs> do you, how do you think they're going to go against the Ds? Because I think the Ds, last year they showed that they, they could have made it all, they could have gone all the way considering the myth and factor and all that. Um, so, and they've continued on with that form this year. So it's going to be a quite equal challenge for the Kangaroos. I don't know if, I don't know if you're getting that feel as well. It's going to be... Not, not an easy walkover for them, as it may have been in the first two rounds. Yeah, so I'm taking off my Melbourne supporter hat Good. and putting Put on my Logic hat. <laughs> um, we've seen, and, and I know practice matches don't count for everything, but they can tell you a little bit. Um, I think you can see when the midfield, the North Melbourne midfield isn't able to get control, they do struggle a little bit to generate that outside play into 50. So that's where it all has to live. And, you know, the Lauren Pierce v Emma King matchup is going to be the start of that. And er- Emma King got held really quiet. She only had three touches last week with Rhiannon Watt. Lauren Pierce is a very different type of player. I think Lauren Pierce will allow her, her to win a lot of the taps, concede a bit of that, but become that fourth midfielder at ground level to really battle that Riddell, Bruton, Carney, Garner kind of quartet that can run through there plus Gavalis and players like that Gavalis sorry um I think Lauren Pierce is going to be key for Melbourne in this all right so with all that said Jem who are you tipping in this game it breaks my heart to say this but I'm tipping North Melbourne by two points I just worry about Melbourne's defense again which you know didn't seem to be an issue last week but I think North Melbourne are a smarter team um, than Richmond currently and they'll exploit that a little bit better than what Richmond were able to. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to tip the Kangaroos as well. I think they're just hard to go past considering their start for the season. Um, I'm going to say 12 points. Let's add an extra 10 onto that just to see what happens. But yeah, I think they've been clinical at the start of the season and I think Melbourne will give them a run for their money. But yeah, North are pretty, pretty, pretty strong. So yeah, we'll see how that one goes. Um but we're heading over to South Australia now when it's the Crows hosting Frio at Norwood Oval. That's on Sunday, so 12.40 local time and one ten Australian Eastern Daylight Savings time. As always, providing all the time zones for you guys because 
we're cool people and we like different time zones. Um, <laughs> we're speaking of um, a big gun earlier in the podcast in Elliot Blackburn and we touched a, a bit on Kiara Bowers as well, how she's one of the other favourites for the AFLW Best and Fairest. She's going to be going against, you know, the likes of Erin Phillips and Chelsea Randall. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what these these types of players can do against each other. How, how are you kind of seeing this game? I'm incredibly excited and nervous for this one. Um, as someone who loves Fremantle a lot, uh, I love to watch them play, you know, so many things. Anyway, so back to actual, like, <laughs> stats. Um, so Fremantle are currently on the longest winning streak in AFLW history. They're, they've won their last nine games. The second most, uh, second longest winning streak in AFLW history is eight game. Wait, can I guess this one? Go for it. Have you seen my Twitter? Adelaide. Yeah, so it's Adelaide um, in their 2019. <laughs> it's actually North Melbourne right now as well. North Melbourne have won their last eight. Um, but Adelaide in their 2019 season from round two to the grand final, they won eight games in a row. Um, so it's kind of a battle of the big guns in this one. And, you know, everyone's jumped right on board the Adelaide kind of train and a lot of people talking about North Melbourne and that sort of stuff, but no one's still talking about Fremantle, but Fremantle have consistently this won amazes um, me. It's under, crazy. under Trent Cooper since 2019. They've only lost two games. Um, they've only lost one game outside of WA in that time. And I think that's a, that's a big thing that people come out and um, kind of knock West coast with is that, Oh, they play every game in WA. They never have to travel. It's not strictly true. Um, the only team with a higher win percentage outside of their home state since the start of 2019 is Carlton, who have played three games outside of Victoria and won all three. So, you know, I think we've got to give Fremantle a little bit more respect because they have proven that time and time again that they can win under whatever circumstances they're thrown. So let's let's uh, have a little bit more respect for them. Yeah, I like that call. That's a good one. And. <laughs> You said that the circumstances they've played in, obviously they've played in a few different kind of conditions and things like that. And last week against the Eagles was, wow, very wet. <laughs> couldn't see anything. I was watching it on the TV, couldn't see much. It was very low visibility. <laughs> um, is this the circumstance that's going to push them over the edge and perhaps Adelaide can get a bit of a run on? Or do you think Freo's legs will hold up even after that slog fest last week? So I think it's worth noting as well, Frio, um, you know, coming off the back of that really tough game, Adelaide in 2019 ran out games really well. And you'll see that a lot of their scoring came in that final quarter where it was like a deluge towards the end of a game. Super fit team. We saw that happen last week as well against GWS. Not so much in round one against the Eagles, but last week they, they scored majority of their score in the final quarter. So this is kind of... If I were Matthew Clark, I'd be salivating at this because it could be the way to beat Frio. But the thing about Frio is that even late in games, they're still pushing really hard. Kiara Bowers is one of the fittest players in the competition. The Steph Kane, Ebony Antonio, as uh, um, Haley Miller, as outside midfielders, they can run all day. Their defense holds up really well from first quarter to last quarter. So... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I wouldn't be too worried. I, I think if there's a team that can stop Adelaide from having that big final quarter, it is Frio. Um, we also heard Trent Cooper on the Outer Sanctum this week that everyone should go and listen to um, mention that because the 
the Fremantle Oval was in such good nick. It didn't get too hard to run in towards the end of the game. So maybe it won't have as big an impact as a, as a wet game usually might. Um, I just... You, you've got to back Freo in. They've, they've not given you any reason to not think that they can do well. Yeah, I think you'd be very hard done to go hard done by to go against the Dockers. They're absolutely flying at the moment. Um, and look, this next talking point, I'm just going to say the word and you have to explain what the hell you're thinking here. You've put in your notes, whack-a-mole. Please explain <laughs> in Pauline Hanson type terms. <laughs> so... Um... For those who don't, who listen to this and don't know, I write a weekly roundup for Siren, a women in sport collective, a, a media platform that I co-founded all about women's sport. And in one of those last year, I think it might have been round four or five, I likened Fremantle to a game of whack-a-mole. You know, you stop one, but there's three others that can pop up and attack you, do the job, right? And that's what's made them so dangerous for so long. I love that Adelaide's forward line has gone back to that as well. So uh, in 2019, Adelaide averaged, I think, 5.9, so almost six um, goal kickers a game. Where's the other decimal point? I'm looking for two decimal (laughs) I've only got the one for you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Adelaide averaged nearly six uh, goal kickers a game, and they averaged the highest score in AFLW history. It was like 59 or something something ridiculous. this year, they've had six and seven individual goal kickers in their first two rounds. So this is a forward line that, again, is like a game of whack-a-mole. You stop one, so you stop an Aaron Phillips, someone else kicks the goals. Or you stop a Danielle Ponta, Ashley Woodland pops up and kicks the goals. So it's it's a much more difficult forward line to stop compared to other sides. But I think that Freer are also like that still from last year um, where this phrase originally came up. So that I think is going to be really fascinating because so many one-on-ones can go head to head in this and it, it will, I think come down to a lot of those one-on-one battles. And I don't envy the person that has to play on Aaron Phillips. Oh, I know that's a tough, <laughs> tough task. All the person that has to play on Kiara Bowers. God, imagine if they play against each other. Woof, How bruised would you be? Fun. Bruised <laughs> so I guess is I guess the the takeaway from that is that whoever is the better whack-a-mole player out of the two teams wins the game. That's accurate. Nice. Yes. <laughs> play a bit of whack-a-mole. Don't worry about training. Don't worry about captain's run. Just go to a go to Galactic Circus in Crown. Play a bit of whack-a-mole, and off you go. Off to the game. <laughs> so who do you think is the better whack-a-mole player? Who are you tipping? <laughs> As I've said this whole thing, it's almost like propaganda for Fremantle, but I feel like they don't get the respect they deserve. Um, they don't. I agree yeah. with you. And I think many of our listeners will as well. Hopefully. Um, shout out to all those Freo supporters that never get talked about. Um, yeah. Uh, I have to tip Freo because, as I said, they've given us no reason to think that they can't continue winning. Um, but I'm tipping them by two points. I think it's going to be a real nerve-wracking game that I will happily watch from home alone so that no one can judge me while I watch it. What about you? Yes, you're very invest- invested in Freo, aren't you? And I think that's a good thing because, yeah, they're the right team to be behind. Um, I'm actually tipping I'm tipping Freo, but I'm going to go with mm. 20 points. I just reckon they've got a bit of a, a, a good, a, got a bit of oomph in them, you know, and I think, you know, they're good at whack-a-mole, so why not? <laughs> Let's just well, say all- they are. <laughs> it's also worth noting, and just uh, this has just come to me um, as you've said that, in 2019, the only game Freo lost during the season was, was to Adelaide. No. <laughs> was to Adelaide, who went on to win the premiership. That Ooh. could be maybe reversed this year. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just uh, just saying. I like that. Bit of an omen. Mm. Well, from two interstate teams, we're now heading back to Victoria and it's the Tigers taking on the Pies. And it's Saturday at 3.10 at the Swinburne Centre. Pies have been in very, very hot form. Richmond have not been. Richmond still haven't <laughs> got their win. And they probably aren't going to get at this game, suggesting how form's going, especially how well the Pies are going. Do you reckon it could be a bit of a blowout in this game? Yeah, so you look at how well the Pies have played and you would think, yeah, it'll be a blowout. It, or it'll be however Mel- Melbourne won by, what, 29 points last week? It'll be around that, right? Five, six goals. The thing with the Pies, though, is that they haven't 
they haven't found a way to score a lot. They've scored 45 and 33 points, um, and they've won both of those games. But, you know, other highly rated teams like a North Melbourne or even a Melbourne, um, Fremantle obviously we can't consider last week given the the conditions, but the week before, Adelaide, they're all scoring a lot more heavily. Um, Collingwood have scored 78 points total for the season at a 43 at 43% accuracy. That's not going to cut it against the really good sides. And I worry that that's going to be the hurdle for them. And, you know, a huge margin maybe isn't on the cards here purely because no matter what they do, they find it really hard to score consistently. Yeah. Even I was watching the game last week and, I'm not a Collingwood supporter, but even I was getting frustrated. Like, just go in the goals, come on. So it'll see, we'll see what they can do. Maybe at the Swinburne Centre, it might be um, a different type of prospect for them. But um, a player that's really key for Richmond, obviously, is Monique Conti, best and fairest winner last year in their inaugural season. And um, looks like she's continuing on her merry way. But a lot of teams are trying to stop her. I think Brisbane did a really good job of stopping her. And I think Collingwood um, will have a few players up their sleeves we've seen Ebony O'Day take on a bit of a, a sort of run with or tagging role this season I think she's been played a lot more closely as a defensive type midfielder do you reckon she's going to be the one that's going to take Conti on this weekend yeah so we saw in round one Kathy Svark minimized the impact that Conti was able to have and in turn minimized any sort of effective um, kind of control that the Richmond midfield was able to get of the ball um, Richmond won nine clearances to Brisbane's 21 in that game. And I think a lot of that was stemmed from Conti's inability to really get into the game. And I think that's going to be number one tactic for Collingwood going into this one. We know that their midfield is strong. We know Davey and Lambert and Benici can all win the ball. But also curbing what Conti can do will put them another step ahead. And I think Ebony O'Day is the perfect person for that. We saw Ebony O'Day go with Elise O'Day in round one, did a brilliant job. Last week, it wasn't as close checking in the midfield, but she's still that really impactful defensive midfielder. And I would love to see her go head to head with Conti this week. Yeah, I think it'd be a great battle. And I think it's good to see this kind of defensive midfielder role become more and more prominent, Um, especially, I mean, it's always good to see players dominate, but I guess if you're a defender at heart, then you might like the tactics that are being employed by different teams. Um, but you did speak about the, the couple of the pie star players. You know, you've got Malloy, you've got Davey, Shani Norder in the ruck as well is getting a lot of praise and attention. But one that always seems to fly under the radar for me is Britt Benici. I think she's an absolute gun and had a ripper game last week. Um, I think a lot, a Richmond will be centering a lot of their game plan, obviously, on Malloy, all those big players like Malloy and Davey. But... Should they be watching out for Britt Bonici as well? You know, who's going to run with her? Because I think she's probably the one that's the, the one that's going to be watched most of all. Yeah, her work rate is off the charts. And the way she covers the ground is... That's why she's so damaging because she consistently gets from contest to contest and no one is really usually able to go with her or has the awareness to continue running with her because she just doesn't stop. Um, last week, Sophie Mullen seemed to spend a lot of the game running with Karen Paxman. And that would suggest that she has the tank to go with Britt Benici because Karen Paxman is one of the best endurance athletes in the AFLW. Sophie Mullen could be the player to try and, and run with Benici. It doesn't have to be a close checking role like an O'Day on a Conti, but it just needs to be, she needs to give attention and just be aware. Don't let her get out on her own because she's running harder than you. Just stay with her the whole time. And I think that will help to limit what Benici can do. Um, it's worth looking at. I, I would love to see the Tigers aware enough of that to do something about it because no one has been yet this season. Yeah, I think, and I think it might be good for Sophie Molan equally as well. I think she struggled to find her, her place a bit in the side and I think last week was a real breakout game for her. You can see what she can do in terms of her running power. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see if she does go to Benici and if she can stick with her because... Yeah, they'll need all the help they can get in this game. Are you tipping the pies in this one? Yeah, I I wrote down by 25 points, but I don't feel good about it because I've just talked about how the pies can't score. So let's let's reduce that to 15 points. Nice. That's a nice <laughs> conservative tip. I thought that was going to be the 31-pointer game, but it's not. No. So I'm tipping the pies as well. 
Um, and I'm going to go with 23 just for fun. Like I said, just putting a few different numbers in the mix. Might not hurt. It won't hurt anyone. It'll be good fun. See what happens. Um, and on Sunday, we're continuing on on Sunday. We've got Brisbane and West Coast. We spoke about this in an earlier game um, with Frio and Adelaide set to go head to head. Frio obviously had a really wet game and their opponent in that game was West Coast. Um, and I think I'd, I'd, I'd pick West Coast to struggle a bit more considering their infancy in the, in the competition rather than Frio. Um, do you think their tie legs are going to play a factor in this one? Yeah, the thing that the Eagles have to deal with more than what we're aware of at Frio is the injuries. So they already had a number of injuries. Like named in this game, they had their emergencies for this game were already top-up players. Um, Caitlin Pope played in this one, who was a last-minute um, injury replacement player on their list for the season. You know, they're kind of scraping the barrel for players just because of injury, um, which is really unfortunate because, you know, we all want to watch Dana Hooker play consistent footy. We all want to watch Elisa Jans play good footy. It's just not possible right now because of injury. Um, the the worry is a couple of their injuries in this one. Neve Kelly... Um, in particular, are players that are playing roles that not many others can play. So that worries me for the Eagles. And then add to that the travel, the tired legs from that game last week where the Eagles had to run it out more because they had a limited bench by the end of the game. You know, all those things are going to stack up, I think. Yeah, totally. And what an unfortunate injury for Dana Hooker. That kitchen incident sounded freakish. I was, um, <laughs> my thoughts are really with her. My God, that's scary. Yeah. Um, but let's get back onto the field. Our thoughts obviously with Dana, by the way. But yeah, let's get back onto the field. Um, Brisbane have a few dangerous players and they're in the forward line. And it's in the form of Dakota Davidson, Jesse Wardlaw, four goals apiece. Jesse Wardlaw got best on ground honours, but it could have easily gone to Davidson as well, um, considering that both of their output against the Suns. But um, yeah, how do we, we spoke about the injuries just just then for West Coast? How the hell are they going to combat those two on a good day at home? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing as well. Like we saw them star last week. Davidson in round one was really really good. Kicked the one goal, did some nice things around the ground. Wardlaw did only had two touches in that round one game. So I think the challenge for the Lions is probably more of a mental one. You know, they need to perform more really well. Like not, they don't need to be kicking four goals every week, but they need to consistently perform every week and not just bob up for one good game every couple of weeks. And I think that's the big challenge for the young Lions. Greta Bodie, Davidson, uh, Bodie kicked two goals in each of each of the first two games. Davidson, as I said, did some nice things in round one and then and had for the four goals. But Jesse Wardlaw in particular has a little bit of a tendency to fade in and out throughout a season. I'd love to see her have another really big game this weekend. Yeah, I thought if Jesse Wardlaw had a more consistent season last year, she would have run the Rising Star Award. Like I thought she was just absolutely on top when she was on. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what she could do against West Coast, especially with a, um, a sort of softer opponent, I suppose, or a, a less competitive opponent. Um, yeah, it might be a chance for her to try and get some more goals on her belt and try and find her feet a bit more in the forward line on a more consistent basis. But we'll head over to the middle of the ground, and the rough battle is what's really intriguing. I think um, Talia Hickey's obviously been a really uh, – a force to be reckoned with, I suppose, for the Lions this year. She's floated a bit up forward, kicked a – absolute rooster from I think it was outside 50 nearly so um, yeah she's had a couple of good moments in her time in Brisbane so far and keeping Jessie Keefe out so yeah interesting times there for the Lions and we just mentioned Alicia Jans before obviously not playing for the Eagles at the moment um, Paris Laurie in her spot what's going to happen in this battle I mean there's, there's a, they're two kind of not so much unknown but un, sort of like untried in a way rucks in this game yeah, I've got a lot of respect for Paris Laurie. She's a player who came from Frio across the West Coast with Alicia Jans um, ahead of last year. And then Alicia Jans went down with that injury. And, and Laurie had to ruck solo all year, which is not an easy... We know we've, I've, we've seen a lot of rucks do it, but it's not an easy thing to do, um, particularly when you're getting smashed every week as well. And I think Paris Laurie really works incredibly hard. She did pick up an injury last week. No one's really sure what it is yet. Um, maybe it was a calf. Maybe it was a knee. But, you know, she's up against it, coming up against a really nimble um, and, and a young ruck who's had a really good start to the season. 
um, who is actually keeping Jesse Keefe out of the Lions' side right now. So it's one to watch because the the Brisbane midfield is at full strength. You know, there are players that can't get games inside that midfield because they're so strong. The West Coast midfield is kind of the opposite of that. There's no hooker in there. Swanson has to take that number one midfield role. Cameron has to, you know, step up. And there's a number of other players. You know, Ashley McCarthy is having to play more of an inside role than maybe what West Coast would have liked. So I think the ruck will be really important because they need to play smart. And Paris Laurie maybe needs to think a bit differently about the way she uses her hitouts or uses her maybe physical strength in the ruck rather than just tapping to her feet because Brisbane are going to lap that up every time because Kathy Svark and Emily Bates and Anderson and, and all of those players are going to be able to shark those taps every single time. She needs to think a little bit differently and have that connection with her midfield if there, if there any chance to not be completely blown away. That really negative way of talking about West Coast. I'm very sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I guess I guess with, with these things, when their form improves, so will the conversation. So I guess it's up to them to perform on the field and we'll see how they go this weekend against Brisbane. But are you giving them a chance against the Lions? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm sorry. Um, I'm tipping Brisbane by my biggest margin ever, 35 points. Brisbane were ruthless last week and um, I don't expect them to be any different this week. I'm going to go the Lions by 34 just because I was going to tip 35, but I don't want to do the same tip. I want to make it a bit interesting just in case it goes one way or another. Um, so, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how that one goes, hey? Yes. That's it for the games this weekend in round three. Um, we've got a couple of exciting games on our hands. I'm really looking forward to the Frio Adelaide game in particular. Um, we'll see how that one pans out. But, Jem, thanks so much for your company. Um, I hope you enjoy the footy this weekend and I hope our listeners do too. Thanks for the chat, Julia. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.